Hello, and welcome to We Speak CVE, a free podcast from the CVE program. On this podcast, we'll talk with people from the cybersecurity community about what else? Cybersecurity and vulnerability management and the CVE catalog of vulnerabilities. If you didn't know, the CVE program's mission is to identify, define, and catalog publicly disclosed cybersecurity vulnerabilities. Hi, I'm Shannon Savins, a member of the CVE board. With me today are Joe Bazar, the lead CNA coordinator for MITRE Root, Aaron Alexander, the lead CNA coordinator for USDHS's Cybersecurity and Infrastructure Security Agency, also known as CISA, and Tomo Ito from Japan's National CERT, JPCERT CC Root. I want to talk with them about the evolution of the CVE program CNA participation and the decision to tear out a root structure. We'll learn about those CNAs under them and we'll learn about the advantages of this structure. My first question is for Joe. Joe, you're the lead CNA coordinator for MITRE. Until recently, MITRE was the sole root for the program. Tell us about when and why the CBE program decided to tier out the support structure for the CNAs and add additional routes. Sure, no problem. Thank you, Shannon. Um, so the original concept for CVE um, was introduced in 1999 by a couple of uh, MITRE folks. They wrote a white paper um, titled uh, Towards a Common Enumeration of Vulnerabilities. So the concept for CVE is um, a CVE is used um, to help identify and define uh, cybersecurity vulnerabilities, and then they get cataloged and disclosed to the public. And one of the benefits of um, a CVE is that two or more people or tools know they are referencing the same um, vulnerability. So for example, a CVE record has um, three distinct parts. And so one of those parts is the actual identifier. It's a unique ID. So it's just a unique identifier that's tied to um, the uh, vulnerability that's discovered. So example of a CVE is CVE-2020-001. Um, and then the next uh, section in the actual CVE record is the description, which just provides some details, just enough details, so that the C CVE consumers know the difference between other vulnerabilities. And so generally the description includes the product, the version, uh, the vulnerability type, the root cause, or the impact. Um, and then lastly, there are references um, that support the vulnerability. So, um, uh, there could be one or more, and it identifies the sources of information um, that is related to that vulnerability. And usually that's submitted by a, um, uh, with the actual request um, by the CNA. So with the growth of the program, it seems like the accelerated growth of the program, what were the challenges? So, um, you know what, that's a great question. So as I said before, the, um, the program's concept was um, created in 1999. And so it has been, the CVE program has been uh, running for, gosh, almost what, 20, 21 years. And um, back in 1999, the total number of vulnerabilities that were identified were around, I think, 398. And today we have over 20,000 CVE 
ID, uh, CVE records published in the master list. So you can imagine um, the um, how difficult um, it was to scale from 400 to 20,000. And so um, one of the challenges that the programs faced was in 2016, where the number of vulnerabilities uh, really increased. And um, in 2016, the program was having a hard time keeping up with the demand for timely and accurate CVE assi assignments. Um, while um, expanding the scope of coverage to address, you know, the number of um, vulnerabilities that were being reported. So it was at that time that the CVE board um, realized that the, uh, the business model um, had to change for the CVE program. And um, so the solution uh, to address the, the scalability, because, you know, to be honest, it's not like vulnerabilities are, are going to go away. They just continue to increase year over year. I think right now the the run rate is around in the last two or three years has been five, six percent consistently. So to address the CVE scalability challenge, the CVE board um, decided that the program must federate. And um, so what does that mean? Well, that means that um, instead of having one organization process all those IDs or records, that the, um, the program would train other organizations um, who own those products as CVE numbering authorities. So they actually authorize them as CVE numbering authorities. And um, they can then um, reserve and submit and publish IDs for their own products. And so today we have roughly, um, I guess, 60% of the records are published by CNAs. Um, that would be the roots as well as the CNA. So it's that's excluding MITRE. And so today we have, um, we just announced two CNAs today. Um, so we have a total of 159 CNAs in the program in 26 countries. I hope that answers all your questions. <laughs> It does. I was I was thinking we should perhaps back up a little bit and tell our listeners, you know, what is a CNA. But let me kind of say back to you what I'm hearing, which is that CNAs are mostly vendors or other entities that that can um, that are part of the program federation that can assign CVE numbers within their scope. Maybe it's their own products or it's the vulnerabilities that they find or, or whatever is their designated scope, right? Yes, yes, absolutely, that's correct. So Joe, tell the listeners please, what is a root CNA? Excellent question, Shannon. Um, so a root um, is an organization within the hierarchy um, that implements and manages other CNAs with similar scopes. So the roots set the policies and controls for uh, their hierarchy. Okay, very good. Thanks, Joe. Sure. So I want to ask Aaron. Aaron, what made CISA step up to want to become a root CNA in the ICS space? And what was the history that led up to the decision? And, and how did you know as an org that you were ready? First off, I just want to say thank you for having us here today, Shannon. Um, to answer your question, CISA has championed the CVE program since its creation, and we have served on the CVE program board. So when the board created that federated CNA root structure, it became apparent that there was a need for an industrial control systems root CNA 
to more effectively serve the needs of critical infrastructure here in the U.S. and around the world. It's become obvious that the timing was right as the number of CNAs grew into the hundreds and many ICS vendors were becoming CNAs. And Erin, how many CNAs are under CISA now? And I, and I wonder, because this is U.S.-based and U.S.-funded, do you support any CNAs who are not U.S.-based? As of today, there are 10 CNAs who are aligned under CISA's root ICS CNA, and that number is growing. We do have a few companies that are in the pipeline. But several of the CNAs aligned under the CISA ICS root CNA are based outside of the U.S., some of those are uh, Spain, Switzerland, Germany, New Zealand, Denmark, and Turkey. ICS products are made worldwide, as we all know, and support critical infrastructure everywhere. So while CISA's primary responsibilities are in the United States, we strive to serve as a responsible actor for critical infrastructure everywhere. Thanks, Erin. I'm gonna turn over to Tomo. My next question is for Tomo. Um, Tomo, how long has JPCC been a CNA, and how did it happen that JPCC decided to become a root? Okay, um, we have been a CNA since the year 2010, uh, June 23rd, to be exact. So it is almost 11 years of being a CNA. And as for being a root, uh, we are a coordination center who is located in Japan, and CVD, or Vol Coordination Adoption in AP Region, region was... Uh, has always been our mission, so it was sort of natural for us to be a route to talk uh, talk to the vendors and recruit them as CNAs. And our situation was a bit funny because unlike CISA, we first became a route without having any CNAs. And therefore, our actions as a route in the past several years has been just recruiting. And one of the things we did back in the year 2017 was that we held a CNA training session at JPCC office for candidates who were interested in becoming a CNA from AP region. And the candidates were from Japan, Korea, China, Thailand, and Taiwan. And Jonathan from MITRE came to Japan and we held a two days training session. Some of them became CNAs under MITRE. And after that, we just kept recruiting, recruiting, talking to the vendors. And finally, we got two CNAs under our umbrella, uh, our umbrella in December, 2020. So we have been a very we have been very active, but for us right now is like the real start of being a uh, a route, and we are very excited about that. So I'm curious, is it a lot more demanding? I mean, you said you just you're just getting started, but is it a lot more demanding now that you've become a route? Have you had to augment your staff, or how how's that going? Uh, at this moment, not too much of a hardships. This root stuff in our coordination center works very similar in a sense of adoption, whether if it's CBE or CBD. So it's like another topic being added to our activities. And we always took to, uh, we always talk to and share information with the vendors, so our mindset really has not changed either. However, we are planning on adding new members to our team as we are starting to know how much work we really have to do. Okay, very good. I think that's helpful to others who may be interested in becoming roots. Um, and, and maybe that leads to my next question, and, and you may or may not know the answer to this, but I wonder how's being a root different, do you think, from being a vendor CNA? Okay, uh, CNA is operational and root is more of management, so these are really two different things. 
And basically, our role as a rule is to help other CNAs assign CVEs, get the information flowing, uh, make sure things are running smoothly, and also to keep ma keep making more and more CNAs. And in our case, us being a neutral organization and being trusted by the vendors for it is a big advantage when trying to federate or oversee the CNAs. That's a really helpful answer. Thank you. I appreciate that. So to Aaron and Tomo, I mean, I guess while things change, I suppose some things stay the same. So let's say I'm a finder. Uh, I discover I'm a vulnerability researcher and I have a critical vulnerability to report. Do I go to the vendor? Do I go to the cert? Do I go to MITRE? Can I go to any of these? Uh, it depends on each cases, but uh, sure, you can talk to us. We are CNA, we're in a coordination center, so we are coordination ready. And we are we also cooperate with other national certs as well. And we may be able to help with the mediation. And you can also go to the vendors directly and contact us at the same time. CISA supports a discoverer reaching out to any appropriate party in accordance with a responsible approach that aligns with the CISA coordinated vulnerability disclosure process. And if you're curious about the details on that, the process can be found online at cisa.gov forward slash coordinated vulnerability disclosure process. Thank you both. Let's say that I already went to the vendor. I, I'm, I'm the same finder. I have a critical vulnerability to report. And I already went to the vendor, but for whatever reason, I feel like I'm not getting traction with a particular vendor. Can I come to the root? What's my next step? Discoverer may have different levels of experience with a vendor or entity serving as a CNA or root CNA. If the discoverer struggles with outreach efforts with a vendor, then reaching out to a root CNA is a good next step. I'd like to add, Aaron, um, that oftentimes um, researchers will reach out, at least from my perspective, um, to uh, the MITRE root, and it is at that point that um, we get, we make sure that the information that the uh, discoverer has provided in, it were, it is comfortable and approves us sharing the information with the vendor. And then we work with the vendor and just kind of um, see why they haven't responded or assigned or whatever the case may be. And um, we try to get the facts and work them uh, amicably. It depends on it depends on each case, but if the vendor is a CNA, then you can always talk to Ruth. So, and even if not, we may be able to help. Yeah, and and also, I mean, if you depending on which route you go to, we'll we'll refer. We all work together, and so we will refer you to the appropriate uh, route that would um, handle that escalation per se. Okay. Thanks each of you. I want to change it up a little bit and let's say that I'm a consumer of CVE. I'm looking for detailed information about a vulnerability. Can I go to any of these to consume information about existing vulnerabilities? Um, so I think what you're looking for is where you can go to, con to, to obtain all the CVE records that are published. Um, if that is the specific question, you can go to the uh, the CVE website, which we will have a link um, down below. Um, 
Uh, and you can also, NVD uh, or NIST also imports our information and adds additional information to it. The CISA National Cyber Awareness System actually publishes weekly bulletins that provide a summary of new vulnerabilities that have been recorded by the National Institute of Standards and Technology or NIST, their national vulnerability database. And that's usually from the past week. So NVD is actually sponsored by CISA. And in some cases, the vulnerabilities in the bulletin may not yet have assigned CVSS scores, but updates are added to the NVD over time for updated vulnerability entries. And that can include a CVSS score once they're available. And sometimes patch information may be provided too. And what about JPCERT CC? Can I find uh, advisories? What advisories can I find at JPCERT CC? Okay, uh, speaking of ourselves, we publish our advisories on our Vol Knowledge Base website, JVN. Uh, there's an English site as well, so you can check the information listed in that page. Oh, that's nice. That's really and, nice. And yes, the CNAs publish their own advisories, so you can check them out as well. Okay, so I think what we're saying is that as a finder, I can go to the CERT, I can go to MITRE, I can go to the vendor and get help with reporting my vulnerability. And if I need detailed information all up, I can go to the NVD or NIST or MITRE, or if I'm looking for the ICS uh, type of reports, I can go to CISA. And if I'm looking for those under JPCERT-CC, I can go there, but I can go to any of these sources potentially to find what I'm looking for. Right. So Tomo and Joe and Aaron, I want to thank each of you for coming on the podcast and for telling our listeners about uh, root CNAs. I think this was really helpful and I hope this clarified for people um, how the structure is federated out and both, you know, and also where they can go for help. For our listeners, uh, we'll put all the links that we've mentioned with the podcast. Uh, listeners, if your organization is interested in becoming a CNA or a root, please click the link below. Uh, and the We Speak CBE podcast will be back with new topics in coming weeks. And we hope that you'll join us again. Thanks. Thank you very much. All right. Thank you. Bye. Thank you for joining us today on the We Speak CVE podcast, which is available for free on Buzzsprout and the CVE website. If you'd like to participate or suggest a topic, please contact us on the CVE website.